Uh, we are uh, glad to have you. And today we're going to be kicking off a uh, new series called Faithful. Um, and we uh, just are... I uh, want to welcome real quickly everybody that's joining us on the uh, Edgewood campus, as well as those that are joining us online. And real quickly, just want to encourage you uh, to make it a priority, set it on your calendar. Next weekend, uh, we're going to all gather one service. At, uh, both campuses are going to be uh, at uh, Canton High School Performing Arts uh, Center. It's right there at the high school in Canton uh, for one service at 1030. It's going to be an incredible celebration. It's going to be lots of singing, um, lots of rejoicing together. Word on the street is we're breaking out a choir. Um, And so I'm looking forward to it. I hope that you'll come and be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. um, And I can't wait. Um, In 2013, there was a rather unusual uh, funeral service that took place in December. Uh, and, and of that year, it actually transpired in California, and it was over a, a gentleman um, that was a private first class, uh, and his name was Joseph Gant. Uh, Gant had actually uh, served in World War II, uh, later on also took up a tour in the Korean War. Uh, there, uh, in the Korean War, he was captured in 1950. Uh, in 1951, they presume uh, that he died, but the Koreans never reported it. And back home, he had a young wife named Clara Gant. Uh, she actually was anticipating the arrival of her husband. Uh, they had bought a new house. She had actually had it landscaped because she thought after he served in the war, he ought to be able to come back. And instead of having to worry about landscaping and all those things, why didn't he just go fishing and enjoy that? But the deal is, is that he, he never showed up and it was never reported. And year after year, uh, she sat waiting on a report for her husband. For 64 years, she stayed married to a man that she believed possibly could be alive, though in her heart knew was dead. At the age of 94, in 2013, she buried her husband, Joseph Gant, uh, because it was finally reported and his body was discovered, shipped back to the U.S., and in California, they had a ceremony. Uh, In tears, she said, my husband told me when he left that if anything ever happens to me, feel free to remarry. Some man could give you a better life than I had. And she said, no, no, honey, it took you long enough to woo me. I'm not going to give my heart to another man, no matter what. And so for 64 years, she lived uh, in her house, married to a man that she believed the Lord had given. And she said these words, the Lord will either bring you home or he'll take me home. And whichever one comes first is the one my heart desires. And that's an incredible picture of faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but you don't see many faithful people. And today we're going to kick off a series and it's going to take us all the way into the month of June. And we're going to talk about faithfulness. We're going to talk about faithfulness in men and women. Uh, We're going to talk about faithful moms. We're going to talk about faithful dads, faithful parenting, faithful stewards, because all of this really is around the idea of stewardship and really comes uh, from several places in the scripture. But when I think about a Clara Gant and I think about her faithfulness, I also think about the words of Paul, as he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he writes to the church of Corinth, and this is what he says in verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Paul says, when people look at us, when they look at our lives, those of us who we claim to be believers in Christ, he said, we ought to be found faithful as stewards of the mystery. The mystery is the gospel. The message has been made known to us. He goes, we, we are heralds of that. We, we steward that, that, that incredible news and we are to be faithful with that. Matter of fact, 
Faithfulness is the goal. That's why he writes um, a handful of chapters later in the same book, he writes to the church of Corinth in that same letter. And he says these words, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So in essence, Paul goes, listen, I want to be faithful and I want to be a steward of the mysteries of God. Now, when you think about a steward, it's important that you understand the context of a steward in the scriptures because it's really what we're talking about. And I debated naming this series around something around stewardship, but then I thought, oh, Otherwise, because then I thought you'd only think it's about money. Um, And that's not really the goal. We are to be faithful stewards of everything in all areas of our life. There's multiple things that we steward. But you need to understand what a steward is. A steward is a person who works for an owner or or in in many ways, a taskmaster or uh, a master that has wealth and property. And this steward is the one who oversees those things. So when the master is away, the steward is the one who manages all accounts, all assets, all properties, all servants. Uh, The steward would be the one that would dole out money oftentimes to the servants. The steward is the one who owned nothing, but lived as if he owned everything. It is the guy who uh, is, uh, is giving out and portioning out to other people as if he was the manager of all of these assets. And he did it faithfully and he did it well if he was a good steward. And here's what I want you to understand is that every one of us are stewards of God. Now you not, may not be a steward of the mystery of God. You may not know God, but you were a steward of something. And here's why. Because everything you own is on loan from God. The scriptures tell us that you brought nothing into the world and you will take nothing out of the world, right? We came from dust and we'll return to dust. That means that this, this dash in between our birth date and our end date is, is a life in which all is on loan. Every breath you take is on loan. Every money uh, possession that you have is on loan. Every car that you ever own is on loan. Everything you own is on loan. So everything we all own is on what? Loan. Means it wasn't ours to begin with and it won't be ours to end with. Everything we have is on loan. And because it's on loan, it means that we are stewards. It means that we are to do well with what it is that has given us, uh, that God has given us. If He owns the cattle on a thousand hill and He chose to give us a hundred of those, we ought to steward them well. Uh, I'm not fortunate enough to own a hundred of those. And so if I own three or four, then I need to be faithful to steward what it is that is on loan to me. And with that principle in mind, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what it is that you're stewarding. And I want you to ask the question, am I faithful? Am I faithful? Because the reality is, is that faithful men are hard to come by. Faithful women are hard to come by. The the Clarigants are an unusual thing in our culture. And I would just ask the question, um, do you understand what faithfulness is? And as you leave, I want you to know there are six things that you should see in all faithful people. And I want to share these six things with you. Number one is that faithfulness is never self-proclaimed. It's always produced. What that means is, is as Proverbs 26 verse uh, verse, uh, 6 says this, in Proverbs 20, it says, Many a man proclaim his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. You have no problem uh, finding people who would uh, in some way sell themselves. You have no problem saying, uh, find a man who can do the task. Every single one of us are producing resumes. And I don't know about you, but when we produce a resume, what do we do? We tell everybody else about how faithful we are. We tell everybody else, hey, think about this job I worked. And man, uh, man I really crushed it here. And, and we have no problem in some ways overselling ourselves. 
We are good at telling others how great we are. But the reality is faithfulness is not self-proclaimed. It's produced. That's why James, the half-brother of Jesus, says these words in James chapter 1, verse 22 and 25. He says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What James is saying is you have people all the time that they would say that they are going to do something. But he goes, you find rarely a man who actually does what he says. We live in a culture right now where contracts are broken every day, where people struggle to keep their yes a yes and their no a no. We are like men who look intently in the mirror and we forget what it is that we look like and how easy that is to do. Last weekend, it's Easter Sunday, and um, I'm actually heading on the way here to the building, uh, and, and I'm anticipating a great Easter weekend, and, and I'm uh, looking in, in the mirror in the car, and all of a sudden, I have this moment that I'm like, oh, snap, I forgot to brush my hair. Um, and, and I don't know about you, but um, I'm a kind of guy that I get my hair cut every two weeks, whether it needs it or not. I, I always have taken care of my hair. I don't know why. Probably called vanity, right? Um, anybody struggle with that? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so um, he, here's the deal. I, I'm in the car and, and I always fix my hair, which means um, there's always water and there's always gel. The problem is, is after water and gel, you have to comb it or it sticks, Right. And when I'm on the way to the building last weekend, I realized that the position that my hair is stuck in is not the position that I would really like. I was a man who looked in the mirror and I quickly forgot what I looked like until what? Later on, 30, 45 minutes later, I'm riding. I'm like, oh, snap. And I'm like, hey, somebody's got to have a brush. And I know that my, my little girl, Blakely, who has everything she needs in life with her, has a brush because she's got everything from coloring books to crayons to candy to whatever. And it's all stuffed in the back seat along with her favorite animal of the day, right? Um, and I'm like, hey, Blake, like, surely you got to have something back there, like a brush to help daddy out. She's like, I don't have a brush, dad. <laughs> and so I come in and I'm like, yeah, trying to fix it, right? But here's the deal is a faithful man looks intently into the mirror and remembers. People who are not faithful, they look and they forget. They are hears the word, but they do not put feet to action. They do not have anything that backs up their mouth. A faithful man who can find. Not doers, uh, I mean, not hearers, not uh, sayers, but people who do. That's why Jesus um, says these words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 and 20. He says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Very, very simple principle. He goes on in verse 18. Jesus says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Jesus is saying, listen, you will see faithful men by the way they live their lives. You will see faithful women by the way they live their lives. We should not be interested in a, in a person's words, but actually in a person's deeds. That's why Jesus, right after he tells us to be careful of the fruit that we're, we're inspecting, he says these words in verse 21 and 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will what? Say to me. Many will say, Lord, did we not do this? Lord, did we not do that? Do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to you, and these are the words of the Lord, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What in essence Jesus is trying to say, what the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 20 verse 6 is saying, and the half-brother of Jesus, James, is trying to say is this, is that God is not interested in your words. He's interested in your deeds. It doesn't matter that we come in here and we sing a handful of songs and we go, God, I love you, if we, if we have hearts that are far from him. Probably some of the most painful things that I've endured and seen in ministry are counseling young couples or, or even couples who've been married for quite a long time. And when a husband speaks, the wife cringes. And the, the reason that a wife oftentimes cringes is because no matter what a husband says, no matter what it is that he does with his tongue in terms of saying things to her, she cringes because she, she wants to say, quit telling me that you love me and show me. Quit telling me that you're going to do something and show me. Quit making empty promises. Quit under-delivering. Show me. And friends, that's the challenge in our culture. Faithful people are not self-proclaimed. They produce. They put feet to their faith. They don't just say things. They do things. So what I would just tell you, faithful is never determined by what you say, but always by what you do. Point number one. Point number two is this. Faithfulness is not based off of your present conditions. I think oftentimes I hear people say, well, hey, listen, I, I'm going to be faithful, but, but I, I'm in this season right now where I struggle to be faithful. I, I'm in a season that right now it's hard. I work's demanding. Uh, my kids got stuff. I'm a, it's just hard for me to be faithful. I want to keep my word. I want to do what I said I would do, but it's just hard. You know, like life is hard. And I'm like, yes, I get it. Life is hard. Anybody in here, you're like, uh, yeah, life is hard. Yeah, um, anybody not raising your hand is like, maybe you're, you're not living life. I don't know, like, okay? <laughs> life is difficult. It has ebbs and flows, ups and downs. It's challenging. But what I would tell you is that faithful is not determined about whether or not you've been able to organize your garage and whether you've been able to get all your spices in alphabetical order. And a lot of people are waiting for faithfulness until you get all your life in order. And it just doesn't work like that. My life is not in order. I feel like my life is always in chaos. But the one constant thing that I can do is know that the Lord is with me in the midst of all of it. The thing is, is the, the reality is, is that when we chose to have kiddos in our life, we chose schedules that were demanding. We chose things that were difficult. And it's hard to live in a land of self-pity because the reality is, is faithfulness is is in even those seasons as well. That's why Paul writes to, to the church of Corinth, and he's talking about faithfulness and all these things. But in 1 Corinthians 7, he's talking in context in particular to people who are working for, um, 
for, for masters. So these guys are, are slaves or they're servants, uh, and they are bound to a particular man, uh, to a family. And what Paul is basically telling them, he goes, listen, faithfulness is not about whether or not you are a slave or not a slave. So if you're a, a follower of Christ, that doesn't mean that you leave your earthly master. It doesn't give you the freedom to just leave and go, you know what, I'm a freed man now. So Paul is speaking into that particular thing. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to who? Him. To him. Lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. And to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. So Paul says, listen, whether you're in Rome or whether you're in Cappadocia or you're in Pontus or you're in uh, Corinth or you're in Galatia or in Ephesus, it doesn't matter where you are. The assignment is the same. Live the life that the God of heaven and earth has called you to. He has put you on assignment. Everything that we own is on loan. And he goes, be my steward. Doesn't matter the location. Doesn't matter the hardship that you're endured. Doesn't matter who it is that you are tied to. Be faithful. That's why he says these words, verse 22 and 24. He says, for he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord, which means you are free in Christ. You have been freed from captivity of your sin. But he says, likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men, which means align your hearts with God. But then catch the words in verse 24. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. So he goes, if you, if you have a, an earthly master, be faithful to him. And as a freed man of Christ, be faithful to him also. What he's in essence saying is your faithfulness to God is not contingent on your circumstances. It's not about your conditions. It's about the condition of your heart. And he goes and pursue Christ. So think about it this way. Noah was faithful to build a boat under persecution, hardship, and the fact that people ridiculed him because he had never seen rain. Daniel, exiled to the land of Babylonia, was faithful to, to different kings. He was a man of resolve and con uh, of conviction. He was faithful in all his ways. His buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, encouraged by King Nebuchadnezzar to bow down at a statue when they heard the trumpet blow. They refused and they said, under no conditions will we honor you over our God. We will not bow down and under harsh circumstances, they're thrown into a blazing furnace. The reality is they were faithful even if the Lord didn't save them. Peter, in a storm, faithfully stepped out of a boat, hearing the voice of Jesus. He said, call to me, master, and I'll follow you. Jesus said, come. And Peter did exactly what he was supposed to, even in the midst of a storm. Faithfulness is even in the midst of hardship. Faithfulness endures regardless of your conditions. So faithful men are hard to find especially when conditions are tough. But faithful servants also do that when no one's watching. Faithfulness is required at all times. But I'll tell you, oftentimes, many of us are most faithful when our boss is watching, right? Uh, we're most faithful when we want something from our spouse. Isn't that what our kids oftentimes do? They're faithful in in certain things under conditions uh, and under the, the demise or, or the, the idea, the guys that they're going to get something. That's not what faithfulness does. Faithfulness works heartily for the Lord 
for all purposes and all seasons because he is worthy. That's why Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. And in chapter 6, he's talking about fathers loving his sons. And then you've got this obscure little passage tucked in right before you get to the passage about the armor of God. And look what, what Paul writes to the church. He goes, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. And then he says these words, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or he is free. But he just encouraged them. He goes, listen, you don't honor people around you because you do it in the means of eye service. He goes, don't, don't give them an idea that you're doing something simply when they're watching. Don't do it simply because you're a people pleaser. He goes, do not serve men. He goes, serve me. That's what he writes to the church of Colossae. Paul says, serve God uh, with all things. As heartily as you're going to serve, do it for the Lord and not for men. So in all, all things, we ought to have excellence, but it's, we're, not, we're not doing things in excellence because we're about to get a pay raise. We're not doing things in excellence because, hey, we want our boss to see it because we want good reports. We're, we're not doing it because we want the end of the year reward or because we want a bonus. We're doing it because we love the Lord and faithful men are faithful. And faithful women are faithful regardless of who's watching. The reality is that faithfulness is not warranted because of reward. Think about King David. King David, before he was ever a king, was a little shepherd boy. And in this incredible account, Samuel goes to Jesse and he goes, hey, God has told me to come to you because the next king of Israel is in your household, is one of your boys. And he brings boy after boy after boy after boy after boy after boy in front of Samuel. And Samuel every time says, nope, God said nope. Uh, nope, he looks good, really good. But God said no. Oh, he's a stud. I think he's the next king. God said no. All the way through, seven boys come in front of Samuel and God says no every time. And finally God goes, hey, listen, faithfulness is found out tending the sheep. He's out in the flock. Hey, go find him. And here it is, a ruddy little boy of no comely appearance, short in stature, ruddy. That's him. He's the king. Faithfulness is found tending to the flock when nobody is watching. Under harsh circumstances, when lions and prey attack, faithfulness is found. Faithful men are rare, and the reason why is because faithful men want rewards. No, unfaithful men want the rewards. Faithful men do it because they know that there's something that's going to last way after them. That's faithfulness. Now, is faithfulness willing to stand in the face of opposition? Absolutely they are. Faithfulness stands in the face of opposition. That's why Peter writes, and he, he's writing unto a group of people who've been running for their lives, um, who are under attack, who are at risk of losing their life. And he just tells them in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wade war against your soul. And then he says this in verse 12, look at it. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Verse 15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now let me just tell you a couple of quick truths. Number one, foolish people will talk. 
Number two, foolish people will talk about faithful people. And I don't know if it's because of envy or jealousy or the sense of rivalry, but the reality is, is foolish people are fools. And you shouldn't be surprised when foolish people do what foolish people do. But the reality is when foolish people do what foolish people do, faithful people do what faithful people do. Was that confusing? <laughs> Here's what I want you to just tell you. It's like, if you want to silence your critics, be faithful. Probably the best example of that that I've ever seen in my life was from my own dad. I saw my dad uh, fired twice as a football coach. The first time I was in eighth grade and I wasn't old enough to understand it, but I was frustrated because we had to move. And we landed in a place called Wills Point, Texas. Um, but I remember how my dad was faithful through all of that. He never said malicious things, he never slandered people. Uh, I know that over the years as I grew up, that more of that he shared with me. And I, I understand how, how much of a struggle that was just for him as a man and his flesh and providing for his family. And, and I don't know about you, but it can be quite a pride breaker to be fired, especially when you feel like you've done an excellent job. Uh, but here's the crazy thing is, and then he served in this community for 14 years. 14 years, and then 2007, he was fired. And here's the crazy thing is, I can remember um, living in Dallas. I was an adult. Um, and here's what I would say. There's a, a few things as we approach the 10-year celebration that are true. One is the way my dad handled that was faithful. Faithful. Um, the only reason that I'm here today, and I believe the only reason that Stone Point Church could exist is because of the faithfulness of my father. The way he responded to being fired again in this community did multiple things. One, it set up the precedent that we could exhibit faithfulness and that our name, even this community, not because of me, but really because of the way my dad handled some things, showed faithfulness. But moreover, here's what I would also say, that year after year after year that's passed, which has been about 14 years, as long as he was tenured here, he's been gone from here, 14 years, faithfulness of my dad won out. Matter of fact, I would say this, though accused wrongly, it never, it never stuck. Why? Because fools that throw mud, it will never stick. And here's what I would say. Faithfulness, best friend, is time. You don't have to worry about giving a rebuttal to your critics. Just do what faithful people do. Do what you are doing. Be faithful. It doesn't matter if they're watching or not. It doesn't matter if there's opposition or not. It doesn't matter what people say or not. Do what faithful people do, which is what faithful people do. And that is in the midst of hard times. I would think about Joseph sold into slavery at the hands of his brother told their dad that he was, he was dead. They sold him away, gave the coat of many colors back to daddy. Daddy mourns for years. Faithfulness shows out though, because eventually um, he's not dead and he ends up in a man's house called Potiphar. He, he, he goes all the way up and guess what? He becomes a steward of everything that Potiphar has. And he is found faithful until Potiphar's wife found this young man attractive and he goes, you know what? I'm gonna pursue Joseph. We'll see how faithful he is. Oh, a, a bare woman comes and lays herself in front of Joseph. Joseph runs. He flees. Accused, wrongly convicted, he'll spend time in jail. But the Lord knows he's faithful. So faithful that eventually the Lord entrusts him, not with small things, but with big things. He becomes the second most powerful man in the known world. He is a leader right under Pharaoh. See, faithfulness prevails over time. Faithfulness makes fools make even more 
foolish decisions, and it makes them look even more foolish. Isn't that what Peter means when he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, that even though they speak as you, against you as an evildoer, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation, that one day they'll go, wow, I was an idiot. I, I made a bad call. I, I misjudged. I, I wrongly convicted. I wrongly accused. That was a mistake. Foolish people will one day do that. Now listen, it may not be in your lifetime, but one day there is a judge who will make all things right. Every account that is unsettled, he will settle. And that's why Jesus also encouraged Peter to use these same words. Hey, do not revile in return, but allow what? Christ, allow God to avenge you. That's the idea. Allow God to settle accounts and you just keep being faithful. What are we to be? Faithful. That's it. That's what faithful people do. And here's what I would tell you. I've said this several times, but I want to reemphasize it. There are very few faithful servants. Very few. Lots of people will say, hey, I'll do it. Lots of people will say, hey, I, I'll sign up for it. But there are very few faithful people. There's a lot of people that they sign up, and then before a couple of months pass, they've backed out. There's a lot of people who go, hey, I'll be there, but they're always late. There's a lot of people who say, oh, hey, I, I, hey I'll, I'll take you, I'll, I'll own that role. And then you look up and you just realize they were never faithful with the role. But as time passed, remember, time is a faithful man's best friend. As time passes, you begin to realize, wow, they're not faithful. Matter of fact, everything they touch, it looks great for a season. And then guess what? They lose steam. They give, they give way. They finally, they fizzle out. But listen, faithful people don't fizzle. Faithful servants are always faithful. Well, you need to realize and you need to hear, and this is probably the most alarming thing to me over the last decade, is there are far more people that will tell you they'll do something than the people that actually do it. The number of people who would say, hey, I'll sign up and I'll covenant with you in membership and then keep their word are far and few between. I think that's why Jesus says some hard, really, I would say harsh, but also very true words in Matthew chapter 7. It's also why you need to be aware of these words in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The Lord is looking for just one faithful man. The Lord is in this moment, he's looking and he's going, hey, who's going to be faithful? John, you're going to be faithful? Steve, you're going to be faithful? Brian, you're going to be faithful? Becky, you're going to be faithful? Rebecca, what about you? You're going to be faithful? He's looking. His eyes are roaming to and fro. Let me ask you a question. Why does God's eyes have to roam to and fro throughout the whole earth? I mean, why couldn't he just kind of concentrate in Van Zandt County? I mean, is that not enough room? He roams to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for one faithful person. That's why Proverbs verse 20, which I read to you earlier, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. He's not looking for the person who says, God, I love you, but his heart's far from him. He's not looking for the fake or the phony. He's looking for a person who is faithful, a faithful man who can find. Who's going to be faithful? That's why Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 7, that same 
time that he's talking about trees bearing fruit. He's saying, hey, um, depart from me for I never knew you. In that same context, that last little portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this word, enter by the narrow gate for for the gate that is wide, the way that is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate that is narrow and the way that is hard that leads to life, those are the ones that find it and that are few. He goes, listen, the path of God is narrow and very few find it. But the path of this world, the one that the enemy wants you to live down and walk down and, and, and skirt down, he goes, it's wide. And a lot of people follow it. Well, listen, the faithful few are the ones who look for the narrow way. They're the ones who find themselves living in truth. Opposition, yes. Jesus told you that if you love me, you'll be hated in the world. That's just the reality. If you love God, there will be opposition. There will be false claims. There will be fools that bark louder than dogs. But as my good friend Dick Patterson, one of the wisest men I know, he says, we don't stop as faithful men for barking dogs. Probably some of the best news I've ever heard in this, in this life of ministry in this church. He goes, listen, you don't got time for barking dogs. Don't stop for that. that you, keep, you keep your eyes fixed. That's what faithful men do. And here's what I would tell you. The most faithful men are found in the little things because faithfulness in the little things is a really, really big thing. And I don't know about you, but we live in a culture when people show up, they go, hey, give me a job. Hey, I, I, I want to be a leader. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. A handful of years ago, I, I went to church here with a guy who in many ways basically tried to talk himself into our staff. I mean, he wanted to be a leader. He, he was the guy. And, and listen, I go, hey, listen, yeah, look, start serving. And man, scrub some toilets. Take out some trash. Like, begin somewhere there. And listen, when I say faithfulness in the little things is a big thing, it's a big thing. And the reason why is because faithful men don't matter where they start. They know that their faithfulness will bring about a big end. Just 10 years ago, I had a guy out of the blue contact me. The same guy that says, we don't stop for barking dogs. The same guy that of nowhere, I didn't have a relation with. He goes, hey, listen, dude, I, I feel compelled to come and serve alongside of you. And I'm like, hey, great. Um, come on. Um, it's going to be a really meager wage. Um, nothing. Uh, and, and listen, I don't have a job for you. And the reason why I didn't have a job in that sense was I didn't know him. But I said, if you'll come and serve and you'll help us get this building going and hey, you'll help clean and just help kind of do whatever it is that you need to do, like we'll find you some tough. I gave him every task that I didn't want to do. And he did it. And he was faithful. I mean, faithful. And to this day, one of the most faithful men outside of my dad that I know is Dick Patterson. Faithful. Faithful, no matter what you ask him to do. Hey, Dick, I need you to, to take operations. Okay, I'll take it. Hey, Dick, dude, I need you to be a campus pastor, man. We don't, we don't need to hire a campus pastor right now. Will you do that? No, I don't, I'm not a campus pastor, but I'll, I'll do it. He's not a campus pastor. But listen, Edgewood is so blessed. So blessed because you've got a man who's faithful. A faithful man who can find A man who's faithful in the little things is a really big thing. 
I can remember friends going to conferences, and at the end of a conference, there's a killer worship set, right, that you've been a part of, and you're like singing. And I don't know about you, but there's a really good worship set. Um, even like the one today, you're like, dude, I want to follow that, and I want to preach, like I want to teach. And and a lot of conferences, I'm like, I got something to say, like put me up there, I'm ready to go. And my heart, oftentimes though, would long for a place like that, a bigger stage. But you know, the, the lesson the Lord has had to teach me time and time and time again is, Brandon, you have to be faithful in the little things. And listen, faithfulness in the little things is a really big thing. You may never get the promotion you desire. You, you may never get the accolades. You, never, you, you may never be on church staff. Well, can I tell you that's not the goal? That's not the end all? You know what is the goal? Faithfulness. That wherever the Lord has you, right now it's at home and you're taking care of kiddos and you're tired and it's hard. Be faithful. Don't give up. It matters to the Lord. And listen, I want you to understand. Listen and lean in with me. What you do in the little things and faithfulness as a single mom or a stay-at-home mom is as faithfully pleasing to the Lord as what I do as the pastor of this church. They look different, but the reality is Paul says, you lead the life in which God has called you to live. And that's all we can do, friends. But we can be faithful, can't we? And so right now you're, you're teaching students and uh, you feel the star test breathing down your neck. Be faithful. Do the same things now that you would do on day one. Be faithful. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Be faithful. Be faithful in your marriage. It's hard. You're ready to throw in the towel in some ways? Be faithful. A faithful man who can find. Faithfulness, faithfulness is not contingent on your conditions, right? It's not about whether or not your husband's on board. It's not about whether or not he pursues the same faith you do. It's not about whether or not your wife is, is being faithful right now to you. The reality is a faithful man who can find. The Lord is searching for faithful men, faithful women who will be faithful. That's why Jesus says in the parable of the talents, he says it twice, but in verse 23, he says these words. And his masters, he's telling a parable about the parable of the talents. All of them given um, different things. Um, one of them buries it in the ground. But this is what he says after one of those has been faithful. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. C.H. Spurgeon says this way. It is better to be faithful in the infant school than to be unfaithful in the noble class of young men. It is better to be faithful in a hamlet over two or three score of people than to be unfaithful in a great city parish with thousands perishing in consequence. It is better to be faithful in a cottage meeting speaking of Christ crucified to a half a hundred villagers than to be unfaithful in a great building where there are thousands that congregate. Faithfulness is not warranted by size. And I would say some of the heroes that I have in my faith pastor churches that are less than 50 or 100 people. And they do it faithfully. They don't get paid much. They live in a little meager parsonage that the church owns. And they faithfully continue to serve their church. They're never in the newspaper. They're never invited to speak at conferences. They don't have a big church. They're never recognized. The city doesn't look at them and go, hey, look at the, the difference this church is making. But they just continue to be faithful in the little things. Friends, faithfulness is found in the little things. And I would just say this, your faithfulness today is your opportunity tomorrow. Be a Joseph, be a Noah, be a David, be a Peter, 
be a Paul, be an Esther, be a Mary, be a woman, be a man that's found faithful. A faithful man who can find. Lord, would you just center in right here in Wills Point or Edgewood, Texas? Because I think there's some people that want to be faithful. And friends, I'll just tell you, I want to go to church with faithful people. I want to serve the Lord with faithful people. That's why we covenant together. Is because when I'm not faithful, listen, when I'm not faithful in the little things, I hope you love me enough to say, hey, dude, you're not faithful in little things. And I would say right now, in this moment, all of us have a next step to take. What do you need to be faithful in? There are some of you that you need to resolve to be faithful right now in your marriage. You say, listen, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to stop telling my wife that I love her, and I'm going to show her that I love her. Uh, there are some of you in, in, in this room that you need to be faithful in your job. Right now, listen, you're mailing it in. You're lazy, you're slothful, you're taking advantage of the company that's hired you, and you need to get to work, and you need to be faithful. There are some people in this room right now that you need to be faithful in stewarding the resources that God has given you. He's given you time uh, right now that could bless many people, and you're squandering. He's given you talent that could, could serve other people, and, and right now you're squandering. He's given you money, and right now you're cashing it in uh, on your own life and your own goals. Uh, you, need to, you need to help serve other people. Uh, there are many of us in here that the Lord's calling you to be faithful. Some of you need to take a next step, and you need to become a part of a church family. And if it's not this one, find one, and use your gifts, your talents, your service, your resources for the body of Christ, and go be faithful. I don't know what it is the Lord's calling you to do. Here's what I would tell you. Is there's very few of us that will do it. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. My hope is, is that all the faithful people in this community are sitting in this room right now. I'm hoping that all I'm talking to is faithful people, just reminding faithful people to go be faithful. But the reality is, is there's a lot of us that we haven't been faithful. And so the great place to start is just acknowledging that for the Lord because he's already seen it. And then going, Lord, help me to be faithful. Tell one or two other people. If you live in community like I do, tell some other people where you haven't been faithful. Be honest about that. And then say, hey, I need your help to help me become faithful. Because a faithful man who can find, Lord, I, I'm here. Send me. I'm faithful. And may that be true of you. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I pray, God, that you would encourage us to be faithful men and women. I pray, Lord, that you would help us not to be here's the word and so deceive ourselves, but that we'd actually do what it says, that we would do what you tell us to do. I pray that you would help us to be faithful wherever it is that you have us in this season of life, even when no one else is watching. And the reality is there's many of us that no one ever sees what we do during the daytime. Um, they, they never see the results. They, they never see uh, the fruit of our actions. But Lord, you do. And you're, you're not surprised. You're not dismayed when we are faithful in the little things. And so Lord, I pray you would help us to do that. I pray that you would help us to stand in face of opposition, that you would help us to honor you in all things, even when conditions are hard, even when there's storms that are building in our life. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to live for you to love you and to serve you because we are stewards of the mysteries of God and it is most required of stewards that we would simply be found faithful. And so Lord, may I imitate you and may I encourage others to imitate me as I imitate you. In Jesus' name, amen.